We're not, he shows up and says, and he sings a ballad that goes, Mary, did you know? No, he doesn't. <laughs> and you shut your mouth. <laughs> Ugh, everybody knows how to get my goat with freaking Mary, did you know? Episode 144 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft-brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. Catch new episodes weekly as the Reverend Shannon Meacham, Ogan Holder, and special guests address and engage what's happening through a theological lens. Today we have two special guests. I'm very excited. Usually with a good brew in hand. Today we welcome back Rabbi Eli Freeman. Um, Eli's major areas of work at Rodef Shalom in Philadelphia include social justice initiatives, adult education, and working with uh, young families and young adults. He lives uh, with his wife and his daughter in a Kissington neighborhood where they enjoy dining out, live music, and home brewing. Welcome, Eli. Thank you, Shannon. Good to be here. And also with us today is, let's see if I can remember his name, (laughs) (laughs) the founder of Pub Theology, Brian Burkhoff. Brian, do you need to give an intro for yourself? Because I didn't write you one. (laughs) Hey, nope. Just good to be be back with you both. Uh, Happy to be here. And of course, uh, longtime listeners and new listeners, you know, you can show your love for Pub Theology Live by becoming a supporter on Patreon. You can dip your toe in at the shot glass level for only $2 a month, or you can sign up at the pint or growler level to keep this show rolling and get yourself some PT Live swag and access to extended interviews with special guests, as well as I think some pre and post show uh, Mm -hmm. bonuses. That's now exclusively uh, for Patreon listeners. Exactly. And, show. Yeah. and if you go all in at the bartender level, we'll just show up and do a live recording in your town. We're still waiting for someone to just go all in like that, but it could be you. And you can visit patreon.com slash PT live to get started. And a big thank you to our current patrons. And you can, of course, see clips from the show, join the conversation on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube and follow us using hashtag PT live. Today we are talking about memories and morals and Advent, as it is the first week of Advent. We're going to teach a little bit about Advent to Eli and for any of you that don't really know what it is and um, just hear about Christmas. <laughs> so, um, Brian, since you are been gone for a while, why don't you share what you're drinking first for us? Yeah, I'm drinking a bright white. I think this was the former winter wheat. This is from uh, Bell's. Brewing. It's a Belgian-inspired wheat ale from Bells here in Michigan. So a local brew. Mm, tell me how it is. For winter. Yum. Eli, what are you drinking today? I uh, got a little shout out to my buddies, JD and Megan, who actually uh, officiated at their wedding a couple years ago. Nice. Texas Beer Company, uh, newly opened outside of Austin. Um, this is their Bill Pickett Porter Ale, which I'm uh, pretty excited to try as it starts getting a little 
darker. I don't know about you guys. It's pitch black. Outside yeah. Oh, yeah. Already. It's completely dark outside. Um, I, I I start to go for those dark beers. So yeah. Cheers. Now, Brian, you probably still have a little sunlight in Michigan. We have a little bit of light yet. Yep, yeah. Not quite. Dark, I get jealous yeah. of that this time of year. Like that, you, you know. So I have skipped all the way to Christmas, um, and I I am drinking a Trogues Mad Elf, which only comes out once a year. Oh yeah, one of my favorites. And and it the liquor store near us actually had it, and I bought I almost bought a case. I'll be honest, because <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, yes. So awesome. it is. Um, so I'm I'm skipping a little bit because it was the most special beer we had in the house. Yeah. We well, cheers. Cheers to everyone. Cheers, everyone. Yeah. Mm. So, friends, let us look. So, do you have a first memory, or do you do you know um, a first moment you can remember in your life, and how old you were? I had trouble with this one. Yeah, it's a good I, question, Eli. Well, you wrote yeah, it. I, um, <laughs> <laughs> I like. Brian, I like I like where you went with the question. I'll jump right there, which was um, whether uh, it was like a real memory or something that you know maybe your family told you so much that mm -hmm. it like sort of became your memory. And that's totally my first one because I I think I remember it, but I'm like I don't I don't really remember it. I just remember my parents telling me I remembered it, which is uh, when my younger brother was born. So I'm one of three boys. We're all three years apart, so I would have been three years old. And I guess the, the parenting technique at the time was to have the baby come home with like some presents so that like, oh. you know, and like, I, I think the line was, which, you know, as a three-year-old, I fully believed that like inside my mom's, I guess they said belly back then, you know, not, not very um, anatomically correct. The baby had some gifts and, and my baby brother Nate came out with them for us. Which that sounds painful. That sounds painful. But... <laughs> <laughs> that is that is, I remember like I I don't know I have this memory of like him coming home with like and I think I remember the present or getting a present more than anything else but it may just be because my parents told me about it so many times mm. yeah three nice. seems a little young yeah 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm smart but you know not that smart, right right so right I, <laughs> I mean but who knows you know yeah mm. Ryan do you have one you can think of yeah, I, I think I must have been just four or something. Um, I remember being in the basement uh, in our home. This was in Grand Rapids. Uh, Y'all are freaking me out with these really young references. Like, what am I? Like, I felt like at six or seven, I was like, okay, now you're going to remember things. So now I'm now I need to watch. But like before then, I'm like, oh, my God, was I what did I do to my children? anyway go ahead well i mean again this could be some of the i feel like though that i can pull up the actual memory but it's also i've heard it told back but um we had these my mom was doing laundry in the basement and we had these toy plastic bowling pins you know for like a uh -huh. you know roll of you know not an actual bowling ball yeah, but yeah. A, you know and so i remember um and there was a friend i don't know if my mom was babysitting or, or what but I was like, hey, we should throw these and hit that light bulb up there. <laughs> and so we're just throwing these things. You know, my mom's just in the other room. And finally, I nailed it. And just, you know, it goes dark Shattered. and there's glass oh. everywhere. So I'm like <laughs> screaming. And so that that's like my earliest, uh, wow. earliest yeah. memory. Very joyful. So I have a couple of flashes. So I'm trying to remember. So I don't uh, age um, early years for me are referenced by like where I was in 
So my parents divorced when I was two. So like the house that my dad continued to live in. Um, so he got the house, right? So he, we lived, so I have a few flashes of memory. And oh. so he lived there from when we were very young to like, we were probably, I think we were six when he moved from there. So like, I have a couple of flashes of things. Like I can remember he had an, an, an Opal, like a car, an Opal. Um, and I can remember how it smells and I can see it parked in the driveway. And I remember, you know, being outside and playing like a couple of flashes, but I really think one of my first memories, so this was in a townhouse. So my, my mom married my stepdad when I was four and they moved into this townhouse. So it was somewhere between four and six. And so, and I remember, um, they were, I didn't realize they were having an argument at the time, but my mom and stepdad were having an argument <laughs> downstairs and I was sneaking downstairs and my stepdad would like catch me and carry me upstairs and put me back in bed. And I thought it was hilarious. So I would sneak back downstairs, like not understanding that he was like livid all this time at like, but I was having a blast. I was having a great time. <laughs> like, and so that's really all I, that's kind of one of my first memories. Like we had just moved into this duplex and all of this stuff. And um, it's a weird memory, but like, I remember it very, being very happy <laughs> until eventually it became clear that this was a bad idea and I should stop. And I think my sister filled me in on the secret there, but um, yeah, it was, I just, I thought it was great. I thought it was a great time. Um, but nobody ever talks about that one. So that's definitely mine. That's definitely my memory. Um, there you go. But a few, of, a few, I have a few memories from pictures that I, I can see the picture and I think yeah. I have the memory, but I just really see the picture like, oh, so-and-so visited that Christmas because I know that they're in a picture somewhere, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but that's hard to differentiate when you're that young. For sure. You know, I mean, heck, it's hard now that I'm almost 40 to differentiate those things. Um, but memory, to, I, I think this is a time of year for memories. Certainly is for me. We just Indeed. finished Thanksgiving and um, good and bad. And we're, as we enter for us, the season of Advent. Um, Eli, can you give us a glimpse of what's happening in the Jewish tradition right now? So we, um, we just finished every rabbi's favorite month in the Jewish calendar, the month of Cheshvan, because there's the one month with no holidays in it. Yes. <laughs> so uh, it's been like, it's been a great November of just like, <laughs> <laughs> no special services, no, no <laughs> holidays where we have to build booths or repent or any of that. Um, and so uh, we really have nothing until Hanukkah which okay. is uh, at the end of the month this year it coincides with Christmas. Um, but Hanukkah, you know, obviously it's taken sort of more, um, more, it, it, it's a bigger deal in America because of Christmas, but mm -hmm. traditionally right. the Jewish calendar Hanukkah really was not a very prominent holiday at all. It's sort of one of our more minor festivals, um, yeah. but that'll be the next big holiday, but there's not really any sort of lead up to it or anything like that. Uh, okay. I wish, I wish I want that calendar. That's like all right. I know about Advent is the calendar where every day you get to. <laughs> you can like still have a chocolate calendar. Right. Do they I, make? They, they make, make Star Wars ones. 
Do they make beer advent calendars? They do. They make beer advent calendars. We had a bourbon one one year. Yeah. Um, They make wine advent calendars. Um, Yeah, they make all kinds of liquor advent calendars. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. I mean, I'm going to call it a countdown to Hanukkah. Exactly. I'll just cross out where it says advent and, you know, color over the... (laughs) And like advent, so advent starts... So it's um, the way Advent is, is it's the four Sundays before Christmas. And that's how the calendar starts. So that's not always like this year. It just happened to coincide with December 1st. Right. So, you know, but it doesn't have to be like if, if Christmas day is on a Saturday, like we're um, way into November or, or I mean, I'm sorry, like on a Monday or something like we're in November for that. And, and so those advent calendars start December 1st and they go 24 days. So it's not there. That's a very secularized version of, of all of this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, so go for it. It's like Halloween, like have one, (laughs) I give you permission. So advent, um, so advent is a, is a season of waiting and anticipation. Um, and it is anticipation for the birth of the Messiah, right? Um, on, on the 25th on Christmas day. And, and part of that, so there's four Sundays, um, Brian, I assume UCC celebrates hope. Yep. So it's hope, peace, joy, which is, and joy is Mary's Sunday, um, where we do the, what's called the Magnificat, where Mary, Mary sings a song after Gabriel has visited her. And then she goes off to her cousin, Elizabeth, um, yep. who is pregnant with John the Baptist. And um, Elizabeth greets her and John leaps in her belly. She feels the first kicks is the idea. Um, John leaps in her belly and, and Elizabeth embraces her and says, you are, the, you are the chosen one. And that is the moment that Mary truly embraces like she said yes to Gabriel when Ga- so Gabriel visits uh, you look at confused so I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna back up a little bit. This is good. This is good. Is it is that the Church of the Visitation outside Jerusalem? Yes, is that it where is. That happens? Yes, so it I is. visited that church. Yeah, and I was like, I remember seeing it and be like, oh, someone visited someone. Yes, it was a big so deal. Gabriel, that's, that. that's it. All right. So so Gabriel's an angel. He appears multiple times, right? Um, throughout the Old Testament even. Like, yeah, yeah. So Gabriel appears to a young woman named Mary who is engaged to a man named Joseph. And um, he says, you, you, you are gonna have a baby and you are gonna name him Jesus. Um, well, Matthew tells, anyway. We're not, he shows we up and, says, and he sings a ballad that goes, Mary, did you know? No, he doesn't <laughs> and you shut your mouth. <laughs> Ugh, everybody knows how to get my goat was freaking Mary, did you know? Um, well, but the Magnificon is Mary exclaiming she yeah. is fully taking this on and understanding that she is giving birth to the Messiah, right? Like, so. So this is like a month out. So she, is this when this is all happening? She is. So Elizabeth is six months when like 20, she 24 visits. days out. So, well, so. Yeah. The angel it's- visits. Never, like, here's the timeline. The angel okay. visits. Oh, oh, you mean for Christmas? Yes, we are twenty-four yeah, yeah. days out to the birth. Right. That's the. That's idea. when she finds all this out. That's the. Well, no. The, the no, 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 no. Oh. So biblically, well, she finds out before she's pregnant. Be... She oh, finds out before so... she's pregnant, and then the. This is where it gets a little weird. The Holy Spirit overshadows her, and that's really 
weird language, like about what actually happened. Uh, I was overshadowing. I know, right. Poor Mary. Poor Mary, yeah. right. So, um, but Mary, can, like, there is a moment of consent. Mary says, like, yes, I am willing to do this, right? This isn't a thing that's happening. She, she agrees to take this on. Um, there can be some argument that can any 15 year old really know what that all means, but whatever, um, or about there. Um, yep. so she then, once that happens, she goes to a visit Elizabeth. So she is and now she's pregnant. Now she's newly pregnant. Right. So first, first month trimester, whatever, Elizabeth is six months pregnant, um, during this interaction. Right. And Mary stays with Elizabeth for three months. That's the scripture. Um, so right before Elizabeth gives birth, Mary goes home. And that's when she marries Joseph and they wait, right? And, and during this time, there's different gospel accounts. But during this time, Joseph has an encounter with an angel. With His The angel comes to vision. him in a dream yeah. um, and says, this is okay. Like, marry her. This is, this is all right. Cause he was going to just, he has the right to stone her, you know, but he is choosing to dismiss her quietly, which, you know, and what a, what a uh, nice guy. Right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and I've that. given, actually, this is a great way. I've given multiple sermons on how like real men don't use violence. Right. Like Joseph is an example. Like I'm just going to dismiss her quietly. Like even though at this time violence is his right, he chooses not to. And then um, the angel appears to him in a dream and says, no, you'll, this is going to be your son. You're chosen as well. And you shall raise him as, you know, whatever. So and this so is in the advent calendar. Like it's not the same as the actual timeline. Right. Of course. And, you know, <laughs> that's we don't that's even know what, what I was sort of wondering is we like, don't have nine like, months of advent. 24 days. <laughs> There's not nine what months of advent. Historically like 24 days before, but she knew all along. It's, like, it's a symbolism. Was, right. Exactly. Gotcha. It's a symbolism. Of, of, of sort of that expecting of, but yes. we know what's going to happen. It's not like it's a big mystery. Like, that, like that's Jesus one of is going to be born, you know, like, right. 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 I mean, it's one of the challenges, right. It's like, so the we, big challenge in church is to skip right to Christmas and to mm -hmm. skip Advent altogether, right? Brian, do you guys have that The temptation problem? is the temptation. to do that. Yes, because yeah. people, people love Christmas carols and there are a ton of Christmas carols and there are less Advent songs, yet we have a whole season of Advent and we have maybe a service uh, Christmas Eve or some which Christmas this year is Day. December 29th where we have yeah. a service. So you don't start the like peppering in a few of the oh you, you know, sure oh, oh yeah absolutely and, um, well yeah, we don't sing there. that one during church yeah. time. <laughs> oh, sorry <laughs> Frosty the Snowman no uh, not even that one <laughs> so, I dream of a white Christmas nope um you're hitting all the like <laughs> like joy to the world and joy silent night world, silent okay, night those are so, coveted um <laughs> oh come all ye faithful um, yep. you know, just those kind of things. So we have, um, we have a month, the month of Elul in the Hebrew calendar leading up to the high holidays. That's okay. meant to be, um, a month of introspection, a month of sort of preparing for the high holiday season, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, yes. the time of sort of repentance and the new year. And, you know, we begin to introduce some of the melodies of the high holidays. We introduce some of the prayers, Good. some traditions, yep. especially, um, in the Sephardi tradition, Spanish and Portuguese tradition, they begin to blow the shofar once a morning in that whole month leading up. And the idea is to kind of just begin to get in the right, the, the mood, I guess, of the season so that when we, 
when you arrive at, at Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, you're, you're really ready um, mm-hmm. rather than just throwing yourself in that day for the first time. So it's very similar to that idea. To think about. Yeah. So Advent actually means, means coming. So we, we talk about waiting in anticipation. Um, and, and what we are watching, watching is a big Advent word, right? Um, so that often comes from the, the shepherds keeping watch over their flock by night, that the, the angels, the shepherds were the first ones um, that the angels announced Jesus' birth to, and they were keeping watch. So like Derek and I are doing, we do an Advent devotional every year and we're doing a one that's keep watch. And so that's a, um, and actually first Advent is often um, Hebrew prophets. um, So Isaiah foretelling of the Messiah, right? Um, And actually we used Hosea 14 yesterday with the cypress and the fir tree and the, you know, that imagery um, Mm -hmm. coming in to that, you know, nobody shall go thirsty and, and that, um, so there's a lot of prophet imagery, um, especially second Isaiah, sprinkled, second and third Isaiah sprinkled into Advent season. And so there was, you know, a Christian writer, this before, just before Advent started, wrote an article and, and she titled it with the question, um, what does Advent matter or does Advent matter when the world is on fire? In other words, when there's so much happening, you look around the world at, you know, um, different struggles, what's happening in Hong Kong, um, things happening here in this country with the impeachment, all of that stuff. Do our religious rituals and traditions make any difference when we see all the you know, real challenges happening out in the world? So that's a question I think we could all wrestle with you know, from our different perspectives and traditions. So my, my thought on that is when is the world not on fire? Right. So, so during Jesus's actual, well, birth, right. The, the man like take, take aside the story and the God just for a second, but like when the man Jesus was actually born, like the world around him was on fire. Right. I mean, temple was destroyed in 70, (laughs) right. Not exactly. The Bar Kokhba revolt. I mean, it was, oh yeah. Yeah. And they were living under Roman occupation and, um, you know, it's very likely that Mary and her family were enslaved and, you know, like all, I mean, all of this oppression happening. So, you know, part of that for me was as much as we look at our world and we're like, man, we've really taken this place to shit. I mean, we really literally have with global warming and that's a whole nother issue, but like, but yeah, the world is on fire, but also when has humanity really lived peaceably with all? Um, And why, why God chose to break through in that moment is a larger discussion, but it, but that's what we believe that God chose that moment to break through um, in that place. And through this tradition, you know, the, through the Jewish people um, at that time. And so somebody asked a very similar question when I was in seminary in a worship class. Um, we do what's called a passing of the peace during worship. Um, do you guys have that in your? What is it? Um, so we, in our tradition, it's, um, we have a confession, a corporate confession where we all confess our sins together. And then there's an assurance of pardon that, you know, um, that God is merciful and loving. And then, um, the words that are traditionally. Do you all confess the same thing? Is it like a liturgy? Mm-hmm. That's like a set thing. We've all done this. Even, 
Even yes. if you personally haven't, it's more about collective responsibility. Yeah, and it's a it's a recognition of social sin, right? Mm-hmm. And and there's a we have a time of silence that you can speak yeah. to God directly, you know. And it's it's not um, there's no confessional, right? We don't go in with a priest and sit there and yeah, yeah, yeah. personally confess sin, but but we believe that um, there needs to be a corporateness, a, a social aspect to confession. Um, and so the words are the passing of the pieces of reconciliation that now that we have been reconciled with God, let us reconcile with one another. And mm-hmm. then we, we, um, shake hands, we give hugs and we say, peace be with you. And, um, people say, and also with you or it's not like on Festivus with the, uh, the airing of the grievances. We don't, although, <laughs> okay, yeah. you know, oftentimes we do talk, like I have a practice of like when they're, when I'm having a struggle with someone in the congregation, I, they're yeah. the first person I seek out wow. during the piece. Yeah. Because when we're in the struggle, I need to live into the mm-hmm. reconciliation process. Oh, it's beautiful. And if, and if all I can do is shake their hand and say, peace be with you, then that's all mm-hmm. I can do in that moment. Right. Yeah. Um, and so she asked this question and she said, can't, should we during worship extend peace when there is no peace in the world? And that's mm-hmm. very similar to me, Brian, mm-hmm. that this mm-hmm. question, right? Like, right. should we wait? Should we celebrate a season of waiting when really the world is telling us we can't wait? There's, right. right. We need to do this now. God right. needs to appear now. Yeah, and I think one way that I I look at it, and I think she uh, got the person who asked the question got into this in her article a bit, is that it's it's not a passive waiting, you know, it's right. not a well we're just not doing anything during this time because it's also a you know a season of longing, and in a way people who are longing for a better world, who are longing for the world that Jesus and the prophets taught us about, you know. So one of the texts that we read this week was from Isaiah two where it talks about the nations coming to Jerusalem and saying, we'll be taught uh, in the ways of the Lord and the nations will beat their swords into plowshares, right? Mm-hmm. There's this vision that we're all longing for. And so Advent is, yes, it's anticipation and looking forward to, you know, the celebration of the birth of Christ, but we know Jesus has already been born. The prophets have already spoken and they've given us a vision of a better world. Mm-hmm. And so it's a time to already begin to live into that reality and I see it as it's a time to remember we're not alone in this longing for a better mm. world. And I think, you know, in our world right now, it can be easy to feel isolated. It can be easy to feel feel like you want to be cynical or feel despair. And when you gather regularly with people and say, no, we know there's a better possibility. There is a better humanity we can move toward. We're going to, in symbol, in song, in ritual with scripture, hold ourselves to that and then go into the week living into that reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. And we, um, I think I had a, the first uh, Monday of the month, I have a clergy group that I meet with and we talked, one of the questions posed to us through a poem was um, if we don't have this time set aside, um, does, can we like, truly open ourselves to the Christ child? Can we genuinely open ourselves to, um, here's language that's difficult, but it's beautiful in context of Advent, be born anew, right? Um, 
And it's difficult right. language because of the religious right and the way being reborn and re, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. whatever. But it's such a beautiful idea of an incarnation of God and experiencing God in a new way in our lives. That 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 Christmas day of celebration is experiencing God new today. Um, and can that really happen without a period of searching and waiting and wonder and awe, right? Can that really happen? And I think it invites us to push through the sort of consumerist like uh -huh. reality that Christmas has become in our culture, uh, because that's just taken over so much of this this time of year. And and so Eli, wondering if you know, uh, <laughs> you Jewish friends look at us Christians say thanks a lot for Christmas because it's yeah. right. It's just a big shit show. You really screwed us here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, it's all right. You know, I forgive you guys. That's what the season's <laughs> all about, right? But, it's, you know, what you were saying, um, there's a quote from um, Rabbi Hillel, who, you know, lived around the same time, sort of during that first century. And he said, um, if I'm not for myself, who will be for me? If I'm only for myself, what am I? And if not now, if not now, when? People are yeah. probably, it's a pretty well-known one. 2,000 years, still going. But um, I, I think I think yeah. it's that same sort of struggle, right? of if we don't take care of ourselves, we don't take this time of waiting, spiritual reflection, nourishment, right? Who else is gonna do it? But if, if we're only thinking about ourselves, how we, and I think I've always read it not so much as sort of that dichotomy, but more the two sort of go hand in hand. And we can't sort of help others unless we take that time for ourselves. And you need, you sort of need both, but it also has that sense of urgency there, right? If not now, when? Yeah. It's, um, yeah, yeah, it's a very interesting question. Yeah, and and waiting makes us uncomfortable, and I I think this is this is something we don't talk enough about. Is not it's not just about lack of patience, right? But like, one, we rarely wait in line even these days, right? Because we can check in early, or we can you know do things online, or we can you know whatever. I mean, I I can schedule the post office even to come pick up my stuff and print it out and not even have to wait in line. Um, even though I- Trader Joe's is amazing, by the way, now. They've like got this system down, I'm telling yep. you. Yep, I totally just, order my groceries <laughs> online and I pick them up and it happens. Like, I don't wait really anymore. But when I do, I pull out my phone and I do 15 other things <laughs> while I wait, right? <laughs> and so the actual practice and the act of waiting, of, of waiting in anticipation, and this is where um, Christmas, is helpful with kids because nothing says waiting in anticipation like a seven-year-old <laughs> waiting for Christmas, right? Like, I mean, Sophia the other night at the table was like, I am so excited. <laughs> and I was like, I know, honey, it's fine. It's coming. But like to watch somebody embody that just, and even if it is for, because she wants toys and, you know, just, just watching that type of, of excitement and like, what is that present wrapped under the tree? And and I know that people say like, that's the worst part of Christmas, but I'm like, that actually adds to Advent for me, that sense of like wonder and awe and anticipation, you know. Do you have your tree already? Is it already set we up? We do. I'm, I'm I, one of these that go ahead and- um, Like right after Thanksgiving, you yep. get it. And, yep. and do you already have your, you have the presents underneath it as well? So um, if you could see the rest of my room, my room is full of boxes. 
Amazon boxes, sorry, Ogan. Amazon boxes and luggage with presents stuffed in them that I need to wrap. And I actually so, love to wrap presents, but you know. Yeah, I, I love that concept though. Is that, was that like done intentionally sort of to get kids to think about what it means to wait and what it means to sort of- I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know that um, history, but but I, I, and I don't know if, I mean, genuinely, like, um, we've turned it very much, and again, in America, we've turned that into, you know, Santa Claus and Rudolph and, you know, all of this stuff that, you know, and of course, St. Nick was a real person. Elf on a Shelf, mention yeah. bench. Oh, God, I, Elf on a Shelf is <laughs> policing at its worst, right? Like, anyway, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> but I think for me, um, when you have, when you can, right, like, Again, part of this keep watch um, thing that we're doing, like I, I keep having this vision of a lens. Like I need to keep keep the lens on of wonder and mystery, right? And so I'm I'm genuinely looking for the places in my life that are wondering, that are mysterious, that are waiting, that are anticipatory, um, and that that will change me, right? That will open me up to those things. Mm. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's really all about how you see it. Like, I mean, when Derek will get on, he will, and I don't mean to say he's, he's one of the things he's struggling with is, you know, he's like trying not to let, um, cynicism take over his life, you know, <laughs> which is easy to do. Um, but he, you know, I, I try to talk to him about this and I said, I, I genuinely have an appreciation and an awe, like I'm genuinely more jolly this time of year. Like I love everything about this, these, both of these seasons together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and he, he thinks it's fake. He thinks we feign this, that I feign this. I don't think he thinks I do, but you know, that the world does. Um, and, and that's a struggle too, right? That we, the people that don't find joy in this time aren't allowed to express it. And that's not okay. You know, right. like that's right. not okay either. Yeah, our church is hosting a Blue Christmas service, mm -hmm. this, which we've done the last couple of years, which is doing exactly what Shannon said, giving people permission in a space to not feel like joyful or to feel like this is a hard time because uh, maybe um, they're alone, maybe they've lost someone around this time of year or lost someone during the past year and just the holidays are hard in general. And so, or they don't feel any spiritual sort of connection. And so it's a time mm -hmm. to acknowledge that, you know, we don't all have it together and it's okay if the, the lights and the songs and the music don't have us feeling jolly, you know, and we can be honest and sort of, sort of create some intentional space for that. And I've, I've found that to be, to be helpful so that we can have both, you know, the appropriate celebration, but also space to acknowledge that it's not always easy. Yeah. It's the interesting for... For some of the, um, I feel like for some people, and maybe this is part of the reason, like we have the parties and all the festivities and everything. I think sometimes pushing yourself, you know, and this obviously, Brian isn't for everyone. And I think for some to really, they, you know, I want them to not, to feel like they can own that, that, that sadness, that uncomfortability, whatever it is. But I think for some of us to, to be pushed, to be happy, to go out there, to do those things, to kind of fake it until you make it mm -hmm. a little bit can, um, can work. So there's something nice about, you know, Shannon, you said, are people just faking it, but 
I don't know, even if they are, it sort of helps. When Isn't it? People is it are nicer. Just, people it kind of makes the world better. About, yeah. I, think <laughs> I know. I'm like, if you're going to fake something, faking Jolly is fine, right? <laughs> like, if you're going to fake something, I mean, faking kindness yeah. is good, right? Like, yeah, exactly. um, you know, and I, I mean, one of there's all this argument. I mean, I literally had a parishioner say to me years ago, you know, after Trump was elected, like, well, I, I voted for him so I could say Merry Christmas again. And like, <laughs> literally I looked at Derek and I was like, we have to leave right now because yes. I was going to, you know, explode all over them. Um, you know, nobody, that is not, that is not right. This isn't about Starbucks cups and it's not, I mean, this is a, I love part of what I love about this time of year is getting absolutely rooted in the story and i'm not talking about whether or not virgin means young girl or literally had never had sex right like i'm not talking about those things i'm (laughs) by the way i wrote my rabbinic thesis on that so did you really happy to to discuss it sometime Uh, like (laughs) just a piece of it not all of it sure sure. i mean i i just find that like i don't need i don't need that i don't need it right like that is completely not the point of the story for me at all um what what is part of the story for me is a scared young woman who has to embark on a journey that she's embracing but doesn't fully understand right a man who's choosing to partner with her on this journey and walk alongside her even though he doesn't understand right a story of a family that Mm -hmm. is in difficult circumstances that has to flee their country because of religious and political persecution. Um, Like this is the story. And people that say otherwise, I mean, they're just wrong, right? They're they're absolutely just wrong. Then you can add in the Christian element of, we believe that this child is God incarnate. And the beauty for me personally of the idea that and I will try not to get emotional, but I always do. Like the beauty of my faith that says God loved me so much. God loved our whole world so much that, that God chose to become part of it, to love us better. I think that is the most beautiful thing in the whole world that has ever existed and ever shall be, right? That not only did God create us in our image and put us in the land and gave us a covenant and, you know, walks with us and guides with us and loves us, but actually said, I think there's a way to love you better and I'm going to try it. And I just, I, I can't not love that of, of the story of my faith. I just can't. So I celebrate it. I love what you said about just the whole idea of story. And um, it just makes me think, you know, obviously coming back to what we talked about at the beginning and the whole idea of, you know, whether these are real memories or whether they're just stories my family has told so much that they become memories. And I think, you know, everything you said right there, it's, you know, it doesn't, who cares if it happened or not. Right. Um, Right. People always, I get the same question about like the exodus from Egypt. That's one of the biggest right. ones people want to yes. know. Right? It really takes 40 years, you know, you know, and cause that's so central to the Jewish narrative. And right. I just tell them it doesn't matter. It's yeah. our story. It's our narrative. It's who we are. And if we live that story and if we, we hold that story as our own memory, as our collective memory, um, how much powerful we can live our lives with that and what that can mean for us. Um, it's, it's amazing. 
I often ask the question with parishioners um, from, because for me, it's not about the detail. I, and so I'll ask back, I said, you know, do you believe in a God where that's possible? Mm, where it's possible. I love that. Right. Yeah, so that's great. it's, so for me, this comes up way more often in the resurrection story than it does in the, in the birth story. Um, Cause the people way can you talk about the birth. It's such this <laughs> selfless. I mean, that was powerful. I mean, that's really, it almost seems more powerful. I don't know. Maybe there's not, you know, not one versus the other, but yeah. No, but, but, you know, I say that like, I, I mean, there are, there are, people and even in my tradition and where, I mean, just the absolute need to, you know, believe in the bodily resurrection. And I confess belief in the bodily resurrection, but like my mind can't wrap around that. Like, I, I mean, just from, I mean, I'm a, I'm a woman in the modern world with scientific reason. I just cannot wrap my mind around it. And that has nothing to do at this moment, right? What I do, what my faith tells me is that I believe in a God where all things are possible. Mm. And I believe in that God. And when we come to Christmas and when we come to the question of, of God incarnate, do I believe in a God where that's possible? Not only do I believe in a God where that's possible, I love that about my God, right? Like I think that that is amazing. And so I think that's the same God that says, you know, look at the lilies of the field, right? Look at, look at this beautiful earth that I created. Are you not just as important as it, if not more, you know, that's the God that came to say, let me have this human experience so I can figure out how to love you better. Like that, how hard is it to believe in that God? For me, it's not very hard. And it's, it's just so welcoming and wonderful and beautiful mm-hmm. and and i give thanks to this woman this young girl who said sure okay let's try this let's see what happens you know yeah. um, i um i'll just interrupt for a sec to say i uh i decided to go for a second beer yeah, I, have, I applaud um, you in that mine's 11 percent, so <laughs> i should so, not <laughs> i actually don't know much about the beer crooked stave out of uh denver colorado a uh oak barrel aged saison but what I'll say oh. is, Brian, oh. this beer was a gift recently from uh, the famous Father Kirk Berlinbach. Oh. Um, Love it. Uh, and uh, Father Ber- Berlinbach is the one that brought uh, me and Brian together. A wonderful yes. uh, pub, pub theologian himself. Right. That's great. That's great. Well, how that is, is it? How does that taste? It's delicious. A little tart. Um, beautiful uh, oak notes on it. Um, yeah, really fantastic. You don't see a lot of barrel aged saisons, so I'm I'm intrigued. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, nice color. Yeah, it's really um, it's subtle the oakiness. You know, kind of like imagine like a chardonnay. You know, like a, a, a lightly oh, okay. oaked chardonnay. Kind of think that flavors. Yeah, um, with little, some layers. Tart. Yeah. So awesome. I, I think it'd be interesting to end. Um, so this yeah. is kind of the last question to, to wrap up our conversation. Um, we've talked a lot about religious tradition, you know, and storytelling and memory that comes up with those. Um, so Brian, here's your, the last question you posed to us. Um, 200 communes were founded in the United States in the 19th century. Some were organized on religious principles and others were secular. 
Can you guess which kind survived longer? 20 years after their foundation, <laughs> only 6% of the secular communities were still functioning compared to 39% of the religious communes. The secret ingredient was ritual practices that produced cohesive and trust, cohesiveness and trust within the group. Mm. Furthermore, religious beliefs and practices help communities increase altruism. Statistics show that religious people give more money to charity and do more voluntary work than secular people. Does this positive contributions that the religions bring to society outweigh the negative? Sorry, I, that was bad English right there. On That's okay. Part. I read it, it like you say, said it. It should say do the positive contributions. <laughs> Brian wrote does. Do um, the positive contributions that religions bring to society outweigh the negatives. And I, and I think that's an interesting question because we hear a lot in the news about the negative things that religion brings. Mm -hmm. and it tends to often get the focus and the extremes are what's highlighted. But we just talked about some of those positives that we experience in our traditions. Uh, but I found this as an interesting sort of case study with these communes, right? Religious versus secular. Uh, I mean, any, I think any reaction to that? I think it's been proven time after time about how beneficial ritual is, right? Like, um, right. and practice is, and, and that's across tradition, right? That doesn't belong to right. one religion. That's right. You know? um, I think about the, um, immediately makes me think about kibbutzim, the kibbutz. Yeah in Israel. Yep. And, you know, many were, many were religious, we found it. Some are secular, but although they're secular, they're still Jewish, right? They're still, and, yeah, they're still ritual. And, and they're they, still ritual. And they're yeah. still ritual. And actually, they still celebrate the holidays. They do it in a more secular way. They do it in a more agrarian way, but there's still ritual and it's still the same, you know, sort of sense of peoplehood, sense of tradition. Um, and I mean, they still have them in Israel. It's amazing. Now, right. some have moved to more capitalistic models and other things, you know, with the times. But um, I mean, it really was such an important part of the founding of Israel in terms of the strength of the, of the country in the early days. And it's so, um, right. it's so interesting that it's a prime example that, and that so many that were not founded with right. any sort of religious background or anything just failed. I mean, I think we think of communes and, and immediately, you know, my mind goes to like people that want to be naked all the time, right? Like, I mean, I think that's, and yet. Or, or a cult leader. Or, or a cult leader, exactly. Yeah. And yet, I mean, I look, I, I, I will take my group, my small circle of very progressive Christians um, who are all heathens in our own right. And, and the one <laughs> desire we have is to buy a huge piece of land right. and all live on it and share meals together and ritual together. Right. Like that's, I mean, that's our big dream yes. is to go back to that model of living in community in that way. Community, um, simplicity, living off the land, living like off the there, land. There is an yep. innate desire within, within many, if not most of us for something like that, I think. Yeah. Or even, I mean, not that I want this for my family, God help us, but like, <laughs> you know, that, that idea that a family owned a large piece of property and you got a corner of it and your family went off and built a house on it and, you know, and, that, and then you all, all the brothers and sisters came together and farmed the land together and all the, you know, um, spouses came and joined. And, and I mean, that's, that's something we're, we're moving farther and farther away from and, it's hard and it's difficult and we seek that community. Um, there was an Atlantic article not long ago about, um, 
about how as churches decline, you know, new generations are struggling to form community the way that church used to provide it or, or, you know, religious services, you know, used to provide it. It's not all, it's not all Christian, right? Jewish, um, um, Muslim communities, you know, as we become more and more secular as people, that seeking community is still very much there. And the struggle to recreate it um, is very difficult in the way that um, I'll just use churches generally, right? Naturally did created community. Um, And I, I still go back over and over again to the stories of, of, I don't know how I would get, I don't know how I would have gotten through this illness without this community. I don't know how I would have survived this divorce without this community. I don't know, right? Like that support mm-hmm. and that build, building up of each other that we strive to do. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, Brian, you mentioned the difficulties of the holidays for a lot of people. Um, I just want to mention, right? That like those two things can be held in tension of each other. Um, yeah. You know, we, we are complicated people with multiple emotions. <laughs> like sure. I can both love Christmas and be happy about it and have sadness. Yep. Yeah. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Right. For sure. Because I think within all of us, there's always when this time of year comes or whether it's an important time in the Jewish calendar, there's nostalgia from earlier times and life is never the same today as it was in those, whatever those earlier times were. And there's inevitably family members who have passed or we've moved or we're in a different congregation. And so there's always that little bit of like, man, I I have these great memories from before and there's a little bit of loss, but there's also the positive remembering. So, you know, I think it does go hand in hand a little bit with with, uh, a tradition that's as powerful as the Advent slash Christmas season. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say in this season, um, although obviously, you know, Hanukkah is not as big a deal. We, we have a, a wonderful tradition in the, in the Jewish community, which is going out for Chinese food on uh, Christmas right. Day. You're right. One of, the, one of the most amazing. And when I think about like, you know, what binds us together, what brings the community together, there is, you've never, I mean, if you're, if you're not Jewish, you probably would not have been in a Chinese restaurant on Christmas, but you literally walk into a Chinese restaurant and you see everybody you know. And there's nothing <laughs> like that. When you think about community right, and right. this question of sort of traditions and community, for me, it's one of my favorites because literally you walk in and it's like every Jew in town. You're all exiled town. together. Exactly. <laughs> but it's a tradition. And we go to the movies and there's right. something really beautiful about it. Yeah. It's, you know, whether you're religious or not, you feel a part of something. You feel a part of a group. Exactly. Um, an out group in this case, but you feel a part of something. I mean, or you just, you know, I love this. It's like a, you know, you just get a free day off, right? Like, why not? Like, this is (laughs) amazing that I get a free day off. But, you know, one of the things that I um, love most about community, whether it's my own, like, friends community or church community even, is that if if you're not feeling this time of year, I mean, let's set aside Advent for a minute or a, a specific tradition, religious tradition, like, this is the darkest part of the year. This is the hardest part of the year. You know, right. the community carries us through, right? So if, if Derek doesn't, it, it feels the opposite of joy this time of year. My joy 
is an right my joy will carry him mm-hmm. and and in the same way that like the trust me you guys you think that the look of a child at christmas like the exciting miracle that happens that santa came and whatever is nothing compared to my husband getting a seed catalog in the mail i am just <laughs> i'm not getting the like That's idea awesome. of garden planning sends stars in his eyes right like and that carries me through the muddy season of March as we, right. you know, I'm like, it's never going to end. And like, he's like, well, look at all the seeds I've planted. Right. And there's this childlike enthusiasm. And that's the beauty of community. We carry each other and we bring each other through. Well um, said. So the next time somebody is in line and their Christmas enthusiasm is bothering you, just think about that <laughs> for lack of better things. There it is. Excellent. Well, a special thanks to our guest, Eli and Brian. Brian, it's so good to have you back. It's great to be back. I, I know you've missed us. Missed you guys. Just, we've missed you. Yeah, good to see you, Brian. Oh, uh, likewise. So good. Well, I hope all is well on the campaign trail, nonetheless. And We're getting actually, after it. The, uh, the questions make a lot more sense when you talk about what, like, what you read that came up with them. Ogan and I have struggled, I'm going to admit. I'm like, what was he thinking? <laughs> yeah. Those are all, it's a that's fun always... game. Fun game, getting into it the... It is a the, fun uh, game. <laughs> Yikes. Um, so I will still thank you because you are, we are starting to thank you. I don't know if you're listening to our show or not, but um, we are thanking you now as the originator of Pup Theology. Um, and you should do something like they do with um, This American Life, you know, where they uh, they always thank the co-founder, Mr. Tori Malatio, and they have like they play a little clip from the show that kind of like makes oh, a joke at the end. We'll have Derek uh, do that in, in post. Yeah, uh, Derek, editing. set in a clip from Brian <laughs> right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our originator, and then like it just is Brian's voice going, "I'm Brian Burkoff." <laughs> Um, and our producer Derek Weston who just walked in from a long trip Um, connect and spread with a word on social media listen to us anytime on SoundCloud Stitcher Apple or Google Podcasts watch us on YouTube Facebook and Instagram TV sign up on patreon.com slash PT live for more content if you would like to create a pub theology in your town go to pubtheology.com slash directory and until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Boom. Bam. Hear the music. <laughs> <laughs>